Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you. And whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, if you're choosing to stream the show live via the ESPNTucson.com website, whatever you're doing it, we appreciate you. We thank you for your, uh, for your time here spent listening. We know that your time is valuable to you and where you get your news and sports information is important. And uh, we do appreciate you spending your time here. You can also check out the podcast if you don't happen to, uh, if you happen to miss parts of the show. You can always check out the podcast. You can get that through the ESPNTucson.com website or wherever you get your podcast: Amazon, Audible, Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, any of those uh, any of those types of, uh, of outlets, and you can get the podcast and the Jeff Dean Show wherever you go, whenever you want. The Alliance makes their announcement official yesterday at a uh, at a press conference that occurred via you know Zoom, essentially as we've come to uh, recognize these the three commissioners of the of the new alliance of collegiate athletics uh, convened and spoke about their partnership and what it means to the landscape of not only college football but to just college athletics itself the ACC the Big Ten and the Pac-12 all spoke yesterday of course Pac-12 commissioner George Klyovkov giving his uh, his report and I thought his uh, his report was the most interesting. Now, Jim Phillips, who's the the commissioner of the ACC, and he's by far the most seasoned of the three, as both Kevin Warren and George Klyovkov are still. Uh, George Klyovkov is, is is in his second month of the job, and Kevin Warren just started his second year on the job. Jim Phillips has been the ACC commissioner, I think, for four years. I want to say. Um, so when, when he spoke yesterday, and I, I thought I thought. One of the quotes that that he that he said, I think, was the most telling is the reason why this came to fruition. The the poaching of Power Five programs, the the you know the headhunting done by SEC, by the SEC raised a lot of hackles uh, amongst a lot of people. And when Jim Phillips spoke yesterday, he said. We felt a responsibility to stabilize a volatile environment. Yeah, that you can say that, because I don't know if you guys remember the amount of chaos that was happening ten years ago when everybody started switching places. You know, like the Big East was picked to pieces uh, and it you know left for dead, and football teams were moving in in all kinds of different directions, scattering the country. There were talks about the Pac-12 and the Mountain West combining, you know, their efforts. Uh, the Pac-12 obviously had already tried to lure Texas away from the Big 12 prior once before. That was 12 years ago when, when they tried to do that. ESPN stepped up, gave Texas their own network, and Texas was able to stay in the Big 12 and sign contracts, make a ton of money, and now that whole thing has come full circle. Texas joins the SEC, which is what the SEC wanted in the first place. Um, so there's been a lot of stability, instability in the world of college football, and it was beginning to rear its ugly head again once the SEC decided to just go off on their own and start making their own demands and making their own rules and going and poaching all of these big programs in the 
I, I guess with the with the model of allowing themselves and ESPN to corner the market essentially have a um, have a, a a non-competitive bidding market for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of television revenue, which was going to be very very bad for the sport, very bad for the other ten conferences not named the SEC. So we and we look we discussed that yesterday. We talked about all the you know the, the the financial ramifications of this all and why this was coming to to affect now and i said i cautioned everybody I said, don't let only let this believe that uh, this is anything other than than money for these uh, for these three conferences that's what they uh, you know that's what they're after they want the the bigger share they want more money and look that's what we want too we want we want more money to be shared amongst the pac-12 teams we want more money for arizona football we want better facilities we want better players we want better representation in bowl games now, George Klyovkov, there's no legally binding paperwork that puts these three conferences together. It's basically a handshake deal. And, you know, it, Bob Bowlesby will tell you that uh, a handshake only means one thing, and that means it's a handshake because he had a handshake deal with several members of, uh, of his conference that decided to just go ahead and up and leave in the face of a, of a handshake agreement. So... George Klyavkov said, look, there's no signed contract. There's an agreement among three gentlemen and a commitment from 41 presidents and chancellors and 41 athletic directors to do what we say we're going to do. So what are they going to do? There weren't a whole lot of details, okay? We expected that. We expected there to be few details, and there really weren't a whole lot. They, they all agree, though, that stability is the most important aspect of this alliance and I would agree with them on that. Now, there were no specifics about conference scheduling or non-conference scheduling, alliance scheduling. Um, they're committed to creating enticing games in the future for not only for football, but they spoke about men's and women's basketball and as well as Olympic sports as well um, in competing uh, alliance, uh, alliance-wise with those, with those sports as well. Now, per their statement, okay, the, the statement that was, that was presented uh, as a joint statement from the alliance, they said, quote, the scheduling, the scheduling alliance will begin as soon as practical while honoring current contractual obligations. Okay, a working group comprised of ADs representing the conferences will oversee the scheduling component of the alliance, including determining the criteria upon which the scheduling decisions will be made. All three leagues and their respective institutions understand that scheduling decisions will be an evolutionary process given their current scheduling commitments. So let's take a look at Arizona football. How does this affect Arizona's scheduling, their non-con schedule, as it uh, it pertains to the next several years? Because we know, I mean, Arizona has teams scheduled out to 2033. You know who that team is? Alabama. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Greg Byrne made sure that he, uh, you know, like, ah, let's, let's get a game with Arizona. Let's, let's do a home-and-home home with Arizona. So Arizona goes to Tuscaloosa in 2032, and the Crimson Tide come to Tucson in 2033. Could be a matchup, a pre, uh, like, a, like an early season matchup between the number one and the number two teams in the country. Wouldn't that be nice? So that we know that next year, let's, look at, let's just look at the immediate future. That's 12 years from now, okay? The immediate future. Arizona is booked because they play nine conference games here in the Pac-12. The Big Ten also does. 
uh, as I mentioned yesterday. Nine conference games, so three non-con games. The three non-con games next year, we open at San Diego State in opening their brand-new stadium. That should be fun. That's always a good one. There's tons of pomp and circumstance and excitement around that. Fans are going to be going nuts in San Diego. It's going to be a tough, tough win. We host Mississippi State next year on September the 10th, and the Wildcats host North Dakota State, a consistent FCS power who turns more guys out to the NFL than Arizona has over the past few years. 2023, they've got NAU. They go to Oxford, Mississippi to play Mississippi State and then home for UTEP. 2024, they have an open date. For some reason, we're we're scheduled to play NAU in back-to-back years. Probably be able to get out of that one. Uh, Although the Board of Regents loves it when Arizona schools play NAU because it keeps the money in in the state and all that kind of stuff. It's very political and governance type of things. The uh, Then the Wildcats travel to Manhattan. No, not the Big Apple, the Little Apple. And they play Kansas State in 2024, but they do have an open date there. They also have an open date in 2026 when they're supposed to play at BYU as their only other non-con uh, schedule outside of NAU. They have an open scheduling appointment, uh, an open booking in 2028. They play at Nebraska that year. Going to Lincoln are the Wildcats. Uh, I think that's, that's. I don't think that's a home and home either. I think that's just like a, or maybe we play. Oh, we do play Nebraska in 2031. Nebraska comes here in 2031. Um, so they have an open date in 2028, 2029. They got a lot of open dates. 2030, they play at Virginia Tech in a home and home from 2029, and then as uh, the aforementioned 2032 Alabama and 2033 Alabama. So. Arizona has some open dates, obviously, there, but in the, in the immediate future, like looking at next year, if they wanted to start scheduling these alliance games next year, Arizona would only they, – they wouldn't be able to accommodate. They also wouldn't be able to accommodate 2023, 2025, 2027, unless they go to an eight-game conference schedule, which is going to be discussed. Now, George Klyavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, also said that – there's going to be an announcement sometime this week, before the end of the week, so today or tomorrow or Friday, about the Pac-12's plans for expansion. I don't know exactly what all this means. This may just be a a tactic for George Klyovkov to keep the Pac-12 in the media eye, keep uh, you know keep the Pac-12 on people's tongues, which is fine. I got I got no problem with that. Larry Scott had had zero capability of doing that for this conference for the entirety of his of his uh, tenure in uh, in the Bay Area. So if if this is just Klyovkov saying, I, I want to keep us relevant, I want to keep us on the tongues of the media and the talking heads, then that's fine. I, they, I, don't, I don't expect Arizona to, to come out or uh, the Pac-12 to come out this week and say, we've just added, you know, Boise State and TCU and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State to the Pac-12, and we're going to be a mega conference, and I, I do not expect that at all. Now, I mentioned this yesterday, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's important to note because there's one thing that that the alliance could do that could change everything. Because right now it's kind of like I don't want to use David versus Goliath because it's not that stark of a of a of a mismatch in terms of the alliance versus the SEC, which this plainly is. I mean, this is the SEC versus the world at this point. 
it, it's it's kind of like little brother versus big brother. Big brother's kind of standing up. He's got his hand out. He's holding little brother by the head, and little brother's swinging away at him, you know. The one thing that the Alliance could do to level the playing field, and I'm not talking about how strong the football teams are and one of the the, the – the you know the the uh, you know the amount of ability to have as many teams as possible in the college football playoff. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is eyeballs, tradition, money, financial power, a, a an, an ability to dictate and go to the go to, you know go to the the bargaining table and fight the SEC with one name, Notre Dame. If the alliance can somehow convince Notre Dame to leave their current status of kind of it's, – it's ambiguous, right? It's kind of like an ambiguous type of independent uh, type of status because they do play an ACC schedule, but they're not part of the ACC. If, if the alliance can go to Notre Dame and say, be a part of this, join the ACC full-time, make it a 16-team league, we'll have 42 teams – Okay, uh, and and uh, well, actually, that'll be forty-one, right? That's the four, that's the forty-first team, I think, that that the alliance was talking about. So maybe there's already a deal in place. I don't know because yeah, because you know, if you do the math, it's forty, right? Yeah, it's forty. So forty-one would be Notre Dame. If the ACC can convince them, or, or the Big Ten, or whatever you know, whatever Notre Dame wants to do, join join the Pac-12. I don't care. <laughs> okay, Notre Dame's already got the relationship with the Pac-12. They play USC and Stanford in in uh, in football. If if the alliance can can go to the bargaining table with any of the of the networks out there that are going to be vying for um, for the the rights to alliance football and alliance basketball, you can tip the scales by by saying Notre Dame is a part of this alliance. You get Notre Dame. You can put Notre Dame on primetime. You can put Notre Dame on your streams. Whatever you know, however you want to do this, you're going to make a buttload of money. Off of Notre Dame, it's the it's the third most valuable product in college football, behind Ohio State and Texas. Third most valuable, and as far as eyeballs go, they're scattered all across the country because they've got some of the most well known tradition in the country as far as college football goes. There's Notre Dame fans everywhere. Trust me, I've been working Fiesta Bowls since I was 22 years old. They're always here, always. Notre Dame fans everywhere. So if the Alliance can land Notre Dame. That eventually, that essentially gives them the 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 bankroll to sit at the table with the SEC. Right now, it's Big Brother, Little Brother. If the alliance can somehow convince Notre Dame to get in, now we're we're cooking with Crisco, because now you've got legitimate bargaining power, and that's what this is about. This is this this is bargaining power. This is votes in the room. Because if they hadn't done this, ESPN and the SEC would have had exclusive ability to negotiate the college football playoff, however they wanted to. There was it was a it was a a a no a non competitive bidding market. But because of this, and the alliance will be able to delay the college football playoff expansion. Now they're going to do that. They're going to block college football expansion until. Uh, until 2026, at least 2026, because they need to get their the, – the Big Ten and the Pac-12 need to get their new TV deals in play 
they're not going to be able to do that unless they can go to the bargaining table with all of the network executives sitting in front of them and say, who wants a piece of this? Because otherwise, if they hadn't done this now, it becomes a one-man wrecking crew. SEC walks in with ESPN. They've already got the handshake deal done. They go out and they play some golf. They make a billion dollars, and that's it. Everybody else is left for dead. So this had to be done. It had to be done immediately, and I'm glad these three got together to do this. This is exciting. I think it's very, very exciting for the future of the Pac-12, the future of Arizona football, Arizona basketball, and all the other Olympic sports and sports on campus as well. But like I said, man, yeah, if you can get Notre Dame, things change. You, you immediately become a major player in this process if they're part of the alliance. Can you imagine Arizona playing Notre Dame? Just, I mean, think about that for a moment. Really. On the schedule, Arizona versus Notre Dame. It could happen. I mean, it may not happen until 2040. I don't know. But it could be on the schedule. It could happen. It's exciting. Exciting stuff. I just wish that you know, I wish we could play more games. But, you know, student-athletes and all that, and if the college football playoff expansion does and when it gets approved, you're adding more games to schedule, more weeks to schedule at that point. It'll never happen. You'll never expand college football to a 13-game or a 14-week season, essentially. It just never happened. So uh, uh, exciting things happen in the world of college football, as always, right? It's, it's, uh, there's, there's always excitement, always something to be talked about in college football, and we will obviously continue to talk about that right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Check out NFL Cover 2 every weekday afternoon with Spears and Ali. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company, Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. We've also got a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson coming up. I completely forgot about that in hour number one. We've got a pair of tickets to give away at some point today within the next, oh, 38 minutes uh, before we get out of here. So stay tuned for that. Stay listening for your cue to call. could happen at any time. When we return, we'll talk some NFL. Lots of news yesterday, some injuries, some trades. And Jerry Jones goes on his weekly radio show and says, I'm not going to talk about this, and then continues to talk about it for the next five minutes. That's all coming up next on the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, there's no time like the present. Let's just go ahead and give away right now. 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number two. You're going to win those tickets to go see FC Tucson take on the Greenville Triumph. Or if you're from the South, Greenville. Greenville Triumph in a soccer match this Saturday at Keno North. Caller number two, 719-1490. We'll win those tickets. Good luck and enjoy. Lots happening in the world of the NFL always. Of course, we are getting ready for preseason weekend number three, the final preseason week of the season before the regular season kicks off. September 9th, the Thursday night football game, and then the September 11th games on uh, on that um, – or the September 12th games, sorry, the September 12th games on Sunday. I still got college football on the brain. September 11th is the home opener for Arizona. Uh, September 12th games for the NFL. The Los Angeles Rams, of course, had bad news earlier this offseason when they lost Cam Akers to an Achilles for the uh, for the entire season. Then they lost Daryl Henderson, their next running back up, next man up, to a thumb injury. So they were going to be going into this season – with Ramondre Stevenson as basically their only guy. 
So they made a trade yesterday with the New England Patriots to bring Sony Michelle over, the former first uh, first round pick in the 2018 draft. Uh, will go from New England to Los Angeles in the trade for a couple of draft picks. Uh, one coming up in, I believe, I believe it's a second round pick next year, and then a fifth round pick. I think it was. Uh, but regardless, uh, fourth round pick. Sorry, fourth round pick in the uh, in the compensatory dra- compensatory draft. So the uh, the Rams bring aboard Sony Michelle. Now Sony Michelle, obviously very highly touted out of college, was a first round pick, but was not going to be retained by the Patriots. He he's had some flashes of being that first round pick, but things have never really clicked for him in New England. So maybe a change of scenery and getting into an offense like. Uh, Sean McVay's offense in Los Angeles will help him. But the Rams were in big trouble at the running back position. They were going to have to throw the ball 70 times a game if they didn't figure something out. So they got Sonny Michelle in there, a guy who has had some knee issues also in the past. He's not exactly uh, the, the healthiest guy in, in the history of uh, his time in the NFL the last three seasons. But nonetheless, uh, the Rams got themselves a new guy and uh, – see how it goes for them you know the Rams are they've got eyes on the Super Bowl this year they're a very good football team Sean McVay is extremely excited about Matt Stafford he should be Matt Stafford is is a great talent Uh, Matt Stafford hasn't won a whole lot of football games but that's what happens when you play in Detroit bad news for the Jaguars Uh, yesterday before we signed off talked about Travis Etienne and that things were not going well in Jacksonville for Urban Meyer and the offense they didn't look good on their game Sunday night or uh, Monday night, and uh, and he just looked genuinely unhappy. Well, things got a lot unhappier yesterday as it was announced that Travis Etienne is going to be officially out for the season with a Liz Frank injury. The Liz Frank uh, injury is is in the like there's a bone in your foot, um, and it sounds it doesn't sound like a really terrible injury, but it's an injury that we're familiar with, and it keeps guys out for a long time, especially. A guy like Travis Etienne, who is plays the running back position. This is not a this is not a lineman. This is not a, a linebacker or a quarterback. This is somebody who uses their feet to pivot and to burst off of. I mean, this is you know this is a very important injury for a guy like Travis Etienne. So bad news for the Jaguars as uh, Travis Etienne going to be out for the season. So they will turn to their other running backs that they have. They're a former first round pick. And, uh, and some other guys in the platoon there at Jacksonville behind that awful offensive line that's probably going to get Trevor Lawrence uh, injured at some point or hurt or maybe even killed at some point this year. I don't know. Things looked really bad against the Saints, even with a three-man rush. Now, I've been very critical. I shouldn't say critical of Lamar Jackson himself. I think he's a spectacular talent, and I've always thought that from watching him at his time at Louisville and at the time that he's gotten in the NFL, obviously being in the right system there with John Harbaugh, one of the best coaches in the NFL, one of the best systems in the Baltimore Ravens. He's just, it's a great culture to go into if you're any type of player. But specifically, Lamar Jackson has done extremely well because John, John Harbaugh is that guy who's able to make anything work. Like, you give me a running quarterback, we'll win 12 games. You give me a quarterback, throw the ball 70 yards down the field but can't move his feet, we'll go win a Super Bowl. Like, he's, he's fine. He's, he's the multiple coach. He can make anything work. Got a great defense. We'll win games that way. We got an offense that's going to score 29 points a game and a defense is going to give up 26. We can win that way too. It's just a great system. It's a great culture to be in. And I've been 
critical of not Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson-type quarterbacks. I just don't think that they work in the NFL, going all the way back to Mike Vick. And we've talked about all the, you know, the quarterbacks who were run first, you know, leave the pocket as quickly as possible, get out of the pocket and, and run with the ball. Um, I just They don't work. In the NFL, you got to have pocket presence. you got to have guys that can step up in the pocket. You want to have guys that are athletic that can scramble out of harm's way, but you don't want guys who are just going to be run, and you don't want a whole lot of designed runs for these types of guys. And Lamar Jackson has been that guy for Baltimore. And even though he won a league MVP, he's won a lot of football games, and they've gone to the playoffs and have been very, very close to getting over that mountain. Um, things have been, you know, a little tough. And I, and I, I even said earlier this year that I feel like, you know, defenses figure out quarterbacks that, that are running quarterbacks as opposed to guys who stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. Now, yesterday he was asked about that, about media suggesting that this is the year that Lamar Jackson is basically thwarted by the NFL defense. They've got enough film on him now that he's going to have an off season. They've they've figured him out, is what the media said. Lamar Jackson clapped back and he says, "I'm going to keep playing football and we're going to see." But I doubt it, dude. I doubt it. I strongly doubt it. I'm going to play ball. Now, 2019 MVP season came on like gangbusters. He was incredible across the board uh, in 2019. 2020 was a down year for him. Okay, the COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff that was going on in the NFL. I don't, these guys are professionals, so I don't throw it out the window. I don't say we throw that season out because the NFL season looked largely like it always has. There was some moving around and uh, things like that. And Baltimore specifically was one of those teams that the NFL moved them around to make sure that they were able to play their games. But uh, last year was different for everybody. So I don't want to sit there and just judge people based on what happened last season, even though in the NFL I think they had the the most authentic season to a what a, what a regular season would look like as opposed to a COVID season. So I'm not going to be so quick to be just like, oh, just dismiss it. He wasn't as good last year. And, again, across the board, he was not as good in any of any of the aspects of playing the, playing the quarterback position. And I do believe that defenses have started to figure him out. Now, it's up to Baltimore to design schemes to get him into position where he can make plays, and it's obviously up to Lamar Jackson to make the right decisions. I don't think Lamar Jackson is the guy that's going to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. They can't change that. You can't. You can't take what makes him great away from him and expect him to be great without it. So there's going to be the designed runs. There's going to be the scrambling. It's going to be exit the pocket as quickly as possible. Get out on the run. Make things happen. I just believe that those types of those types of quarterbacks don't work in the NFL long term. They don't win a whole lot of championships. And I don't think they're guys you technically build your franchise around. You're not gonna I wouldn't give Lamar Jackson $180 million. He's small, he gets out and runs, he takes a hit, he's out, may never be the same again. You know, Robert Griffin, we've all we've all we've all seen that. We've all been there. I'm not wishing anything upon the guy, obviously. I got nothing personal against Lamar Jackson. I love to watch him play. I've loved watching him since he was a Heisman candidate at Louisville. But I think this year is going to be tough. And and I think, the, honestly, I think this is the year where we find out whether he's going to be the franchise future and the superstar in Baltimore 
or if it's just going to be another failed experiment with a running quarterback who is just not as sharp in the pocket as you need to be in the NFL. But according to Lamar Jackson, uh, he highly doubts that, that defenses have figured him out. And I, confidence is everything, right? you got to have confidence. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. And I, I applaud him for that. You need to have confidence in yourself at this level. If you don't, you're already dead. You're done. You, you, you're, you're worthless if you don't have, if you don't have confidence uh, as a professional athlete. Speaking of people with confidence, people with money and confidence, Jerry Jones went on his weekly radio show yesterday and was asked what he would say to players like, like let's say, Cole Beasley, who uh, insists that the NFL is trying to force them into getting vaccinated. He, he's not necessarily an anti-vaxxer. He just doesn't want to be forced to get it. Jerry Jones had a very interesting comment and things to say about that. We'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean Show. Now, Arizona is about to get even hotter because FanDuel Daily Fantasy Sports and FanDuel Sportsbook are coming soon. You can start your Daily Fantasy Contest this Saturday, August 28th. They're super easy to enter. It's 100% secure, and it's tons of fun. I, Again, my, guy, my, my guys in Tennessee, they've already been playing. They can't wait to get me involved. And I, even though I don't play a whole lot of uh, fantasy, the daily fantasy stuff is kind of intriguing to me, and I'm definitely going to be checking it out. And you should too because you can go head-to-head against thousands of fans of every major U.S. sport for a shot at real cash prizes. Also, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and you'll be able to do that starting September 9th. You can jump on the app. It is safe, secure. It's easy to use. There's tons of promotions. they got great betting lines. There's, uh, there's cool, like, you can go to, like, this other tab, and they're, like, these other, like, little promotions. Like, you can say, like, well, if you don't like this line, you can tease it and get this with it, too. Like, there's, there's fun stuff in there to play with. Um, there's promotions for new and existing customers, and it's all right there on the app. Visit FanDuel.com slash Arizona today. That's FanDuel.com slash Arizona. Get ready to have some fun. Acquaint yourself with the app and get ready to hit the ground running on September 9th when it all goes live. Agent location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. Bonus issued and non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after receipt. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Gearing up for football Fridays, and it starts this Friday with Spears and Ali. 3-6 to six as they'll be broadcasting live, taking their show on the road from Main Gate Square right there on campus on University between Euclid and Park, gearing you up for the college football season. The uh, community will be out there. Of course, the radio stations here at our, uh, our, all of our member stations are going to be out there playing some music, having some good times, doing some promotions. Join the community as we preview our University of Arizona football team season. Bear down, Arizona. Bear down, Wildcats. And uh, can't wait for Bear Down Fridays, Football Fridays. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And it starts this Friday from 3 to 6 with Spears and Ali. Now, Jera, I didn't get a chance to watch the new uh, the new episode of um, Hard Knocks last night. I'm going to watch it today. It, yesterday was a bleep show. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> it, was, it was just a mad day. Didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm going to watch it today. I don't know if this was addressed on on hard knocks or or what, but Jerry Jones did talk about this on his weekly radio show in Dallas. He's been doing a weekly, he's the only owner in the world that I've ever known that has his own radio show. 
and it's on it's on the fan it, uh, in Dallas. Huge, huge radio station, blowtorch out there, one of the most popular stations in the country. Um, and on the show, they asked him basically like, what would they said? What would you say to players? like Cole Beasley, who insists that the NFL is trying to force them into, into getting vaccinated. This is what Jerry had to say. He said, quote, I don't really say anything here. And then he started talking a little bit more and more and a lot more. Then he goes, to me, this is a team game. We rely on each other to play. We rely on each other to win. We have to have each other. There's 11 guys out there at any one time to be tried about it. You have to count on the other guy being available and you certainly don't want to be doing anything that causes your teammates to not be available all of that comes to the same conclusion as far as what you agreed to be as a player as a part of the team you check i at the door and go forward with we and he said your dallas cowboys are doing that we've got to check i at the door and go forward with we so basically as it pertains to getting vaccinated According to Jerry Jones, you're not a team player if you're choosing to not get vaccinated. Okay? He has some players on his team, including his starting quarterback. And I know that Dak has not confirmed one way or the other that he's vaccinated, but based on when he's been asked about it, uh, like first day of camp, right? Reporter just goes, are you vaccinated? He goes, "Uh, first of all, that's HIPAA. First of all, it's not HIPAA. But that's what he that's what he responded with, right? He responded that way. Most people that respond that way to that question are people that you can probably gen- generally guess have probably not been vaccinated. They don't want to disclose whether they've been vaccinated or not. And I think it's it's safe to say that a lot of those people have decided not to be vaccinated. So his starting quarterback is one of them. They're also having a problem there. Now, they're... The Cowboys are at a 93% vaccination rate according to the team. But they're having a problem in Dallas. I talked about this yesterday. They got five guys that are not with the team, four players and a, and a coach, the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, brand-new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, C.D. Lamb, Carlos Watkins, okay? Those guys are not with the team right now because they tested positive and are in the COVID-19 protocol. Make note that all five of those guys are vaccinated. So they're not in the non-vaccinated protocol. They're in the other, the vaccinated protocol. However, the problem is they can't get a negative test. They keep testing positive. And even though they feel fine, the, the, the team is reporting that all five of them are asymptomatic, they can't, they can't be around the team right now because they can't test out of the COVID protocol. They're stuck right now. So... All of those guys fully vaccinated can't get a can't get a negative test. They keep testing positive every single day. They do their test every day. They keep getting positives. So it's a good thing that daily testing is going on. I'll tell you that right now, because without daily testing in the NFL, there'd be vaccinated players out there who feel fine that are obviously positive that would be spreading it around to other people. So. I think as long as the daily testing is occurring, I don't think there should be a problem with owners having a non-100% vaccinated roster. Because if you're doing daily testing, then there should be no need to, to have it one way or the other. The players are 
wanting to choose whether or not they va- they are vaccinated and they don't want to feel like the NFL is forcing them to do so. And the NFL cannot force them to do so because there's a collective bargaining agreement in play that keeps them from being able to do that. Now, teams can urge, owners can urge, like Jerry Jones has urged and, and uh, Jim Ursay in Indianapolis have urged his uh, his players and his coaching staff to get vaccinated. Ironically, those are two of the teams that have been hit the worst with COVID protocols from vaccinated players and staff. Frank Reich just rejoined the team as a vaccinated coach because he couldn't test out of COVID protocol. He kept getting positive tests. He felt fine. Couldn't get a negative test. Ironically, both of those owners have been very outspoken about this about this process. They want they want there to be 100%. And and look, I'll go all the way back to the beginning of my conversations 2 weeks ago three weeks ago maybe even, when it was announced that there was going to be these changes to the NFL between vaccinated and non-vaccinated players, the division of players, right, between the vaxxers and the non-vaxxers. The problem, the one problem that I have with the whole thing is that the NFL, who is responsible for ensuring that there is no competitive advantage or disadvantage among players and teams, have essentially given teams with higher vaccination rates a competitive advantage because of all these different protocols. I mean, we, look, we, we know what's going on in New England, right, with Cam, Cam Newton, non-vaccinated player, left the facility, he's not supposed to, now he can't be with the team for five days, Mac Jones is getting reps, Bill Belichick is pissed off. Okay? There's a, there's a competitive disadvantage for teams who have higher rates of non-vaccinated players, and that's the problem that I have. The NFL should never have made a competitive advantage or disadvantage in this in this particular realm they shouldn't be doing it in any realm there should be no reason for the nfl to ever create a competitive advantage or competitive disadvantage for teams and players regardless of what is happening the nfl is in place to make sure that everything's equal it's like it's like in nascar stock car racing okay they call it stock car racing because every car has to be the same they want to make sure there's no competitive advantage and when Teams are a millimeter off with the spoiler placement on their car. They get sent to the back of pack. They get, they, get, they get slapped with a fine. And you basically have no chance of winning that race because you tried to cheat. Or, you know, something, you, you bent the spoiler a little bit the you know, wrong way when you're tweaking it or when you're, you're putting it on the car. Okay, Every, everything is in place so that, that it, it's, all, it's all driver input. It's all everything that happens when the flag is live and cars are out there going full speed. The NFL is responsible for doing the same thing. They need to make sure that it's there's a a level playing field. That's why they have uh, that's why they have things in place like you know banned substances and a, you know all these different uh, protocols for for drug testing and all this other stuff. They want to make sure that nobody's trying to gain a competitive advantage. But what they've done by dividing the non-vaxxers and the vaxxers is given competitive advantage to teams who have higher vaccination rates. And I think. That's the one problem that I have with the whole thing. If the NFL wants to try and force players to get vaccinated, it's none of my business. I don't care. If you create a a competitive disadvantage by doing that, that's when I care. I have a problem with that. Because that's your job is to make sure that teams are going out there on an equal playing field. That's why they have revenue sharing in the NFL, to make sure that we don't have what we see in Major League Baseball, where the Los Angeles Dodgers can spend $245 million a year on players. When everybody else is trying to find a way to spend $85 million. 
That's why, that's why the NFL has their bargaining agreement. That's why they, they share equally. That's why people like Jerry Jones, who would probably love to have an extra $50 million to spend on players and just load up his team with superstars. Yeah, I mean, he'd love to, but that's not how it works. Jerry Jones would also love to be the Lions shareholder of revenue when it comes to television because he knows that his Cowboys are the most valuable commodity in the world as far as sports markets go. But he gives equally, okay, so that there's no advantage or disadvantage to teams in smaller markets. That's what the NFL is built on. Equality, stability. This does not do that. This is divisive, and it's creating disadvantages. And it's causing head coaches like Bill Belichick to get really rankled. Not that I care. It's fun to see him squirm a little bit. But uh, it's going to be a weird six months, man. Let's just put it that way. Get ready for the ride. It's going to be fun. Speaking of banned substances, Major League Baseball news real quick here. D-backs pitcher Caleb Smith received a 10-game suspension for a banned substance. Remember, his glove was taken from him in the game the other night, and it was announced yesterday that uh, the left-hander Caleb Smith has been suspended 10 games and fined an undisclosed amount for having a foreign substance on his glove during the game last week that he was vehemently frustrated with and upset about throwing his glove and very upset that he was being you know, targeted for this, said he absolutely it would be stupid for him to cheat, blah, 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 blah. And they found something. Now, they're not going to disclose what it was or how much of it there was or how much of an advantage it was, but they felt it was enough for a 10-game suspension for Caleb Smith. So D-backs will be without him for the next week and a half. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson and Tucson Appliance are looking for the next big radio star. Could be you. If you think you've got what it takes to do what we do on the air every single day, you can earn a weekly guest segment on the Spears and Ali Show by submitting a 60-second or less video showing us your chops. Submit it to ESPNTucson.com. Don't delay because voting starts uh, Friday. Is that right? Yeah, I did the math right. August 27th, that's Friday. I don't know what day it is half the time. I just know that we got uh, football coming up in a week and a half, and I can't be more excited than I am right now. Again, the grand prize winner will get a, a weekly segment on the Spears and Ali show to talk some sports. Submit your video today, 60 seconds or less, to ESPNTucson.com. A star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. In Major League Baseball news yesterday, the Yankees won their 11th game in a row, and... Um, it was an interesting finish because there was a, a, a an interesting thing that occurred yesterday. Now, in winning their 11th game in a row over the Atlanta Braves, uh, who were also on a, on a big hot streak, Freddie Freeman, the reigning MVP of the National League, was at the plate in every kid's dream situation. Right? We've all anybody who's ever played uh, baseball or you know on you know on the on the playground or whatever, we've all done this, right? You stand there with your bat. Or maybe your imaginary bat. It happens. I used to do it in my bedroom all the time. You go to the supermarket with my mom and just do this, and she'd be like, would you knock that off, please? 
I'd stand there and I'd be like, all right, here's the situation. It's the ninth inning. Bases are loaded. You're down a run. Two outs. Three-two count. Here's the pitch. And here it goes. And it's a grand slam. And you run around. You go crazy. Yay. Well, yesterday, Freddie Freeman, reigning MVP, was given that opportunity. Ninth inning. Bases loaded. Down a run. Two outs. Three-two count. And he popped up. But here's the interesting note about this. This is, this is what I love about ESPN Stats and Info. If you're not on ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. When Freddie Freeman came to the plate with that situation, he was the first reigning MVP in the last 40 seasons to bat in that situation. Think about that for a minute. In the last 40 years, Freddie Freeman was the first MVP, reigning MVP, to bat in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded, down a run, two outs, and a 3-2 count. It's like every kid's dream situation. It's happened once to an MVP in the last 40 years. Rare things in baseball. We have an announcement from Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence going to be the number one starter week one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In similar news, water is wet, fire is hot. And we are out of here. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to our winner of the tickets, Lance Markham. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game. Thanks to Mary behind the glass for pushing all the buttons, keeping us on the air. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today at 3 to 6 right here on ESPN Tucson. And I'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 7 on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio. The soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. KMXC HD4 Tucson.